0: Okay, um, so if you have a Bible there, or you have your phone app, whatever works for you, we want to invite you to turn to our scripture for today, which is Psalm number 44. Salmo 44 es el texto de hoy, And we're entering into uh, kind of a summer series that will be cropping up here and there on psalms we can pray. Que orar. and this is one of them. So what I want to do with this reading today is a little bit different. I'd like to highlight certain key verses in this psalm as we go through the message time today. So I'm going to be making reference to these verses all along the message, and I want you to... Have your Bibles open if you can, so that you can be ready to refer to those with me. Voy a estar eh, subrayando varios versículos clave durante el, uh, todo el mensaje, así que tengan sus Biblias abiertas, por favor. Now, in English, there are a couple of sayings that are very familiar, uh, idioms you might call them, and these two sayings sound alike, they sound similar but they are very different in their meaning. Hay dos refranes en inglés que son muy parecidos, pero son diferentes. To take the bull by the horns means to take charge of a situation. It means to be sure. It means to be decisive in what you're going to do. Tomar el toro, por lo cual quiere decir que uno se hace cargo de una situación. And we say, if you want to overcome a challenge, You've got to take the bull by the horns. Para superar un reto hay que tomar el toro por los cuernos. Now there's another saying. To be on the horns of a dilemma. Now that is very different. Estar en los cuernos de un dilema es algo diferente. To be on the horns of a dilemma actually means that you are unsure. That you are undecided about what to do. Because you really don't have any good options. No good choices. Es estar indeciso y inseguro porque no tienes buenas opciones. I mean, no matter what you choose, no matter what you do in this particular situation, it seems like the only option you've got is failure. Or or something's just not going to go well. La única opción parece ser fracasar. So you can't take the bull by the horns because the horns are pointy, and they are dangerous, and so you are on the horns of a dilemma. No puedes tomar el toro por los cuernos porque los cuernos son puntiagudos y peligrosos. Estás en los cuernos de un dilema. I want you to to be thinking about those two different sayings as we approach our scripture today. Vamos a tener estos dos referencias en mente. Psalm 44. Now, Psalm 44, we understand, is a psalm that was written by a group for a group. escrito de grupo para grupo. it says right at the top, this psalm is credited to the sons of Korah. Es de los hijos de Koré. Who were they? Well, we're not quite sure, but they were a part of the worship team at the temple. That's probably the best guess. Eran parte del equipo de alabanza en el templo. And these sons of Korah composed this psalm as a song and as a prayer to be used by the whole people of Israel when they would gather at the temple for different times, for different occasions of worship. Se usaba para los de Israel en el templo para tiempos de adoración. It's a psalm by a group for a group. Es un salmo de un grupo para un grupo. Now, if we look at the first eight verses here of Psalm 44, the message is quite clear. The message in the first eight verses seems to be this. Este es mensaje de versículos 1 a 8. God is a God who always takes the bull by the horns. Dios es un Dios que siempre toma por los cuernos. Look with me at verse 1. We've heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what you did in their days and days Long ago, Dios, nuestros huidos han huido y nuestros padres nos han contado las proezas que realizaste en sus días. With your hand, you drove out the nations and planted our fathers. Con tu mano echaste fuera las naciones y en su lugar estableciste a nuestros padres. You crushed the peoples and made our fathers flourish. Aplastaste los pueblos. Nuestros padres, a ellos los hiciste prosperar. It was not by their sword. That they won the land. No, God, it was your right hand, your arm, the light of your face, for you loved them. Fue tu brazo, tu mano derecha, fue la luz de tu rostro, porque tú los amabas. This is very clearly saying, God, you've done it. God, you have kicked out our enemies, you've established us as a people, you've done all things well. fuera los enemigos, establecido la nación. God, you're a God who always takes the bull by the horns. Siempre tomas el por los cuernos. And not only that, God, but you, you help us to do that. You help us to take the bull by the horns. Nos ayudas a nosotros. Verse 5. Through you... We push back our enemies. Through your name, we trample our foes. Por ti derrotamos a nuestros enemigos. En tu nombre aplastamos a nuestros agresores. God, you are great. And because you always take the bull by the horns, we worship you. We praise your name forever. That's what verse 8 basically says. Así te alabamos, Dios. Verso 8, it says, In God, we make our boasts all day long. And we will praise your name forever. Por siempre nos gloriaremos en Dios. Por siempre alabaremos a tu nombre. Well, so far, so good, right? First eight verses. God is there. He's the God who always takes charge. Dios siempre se hace cargo. But then we get to verse nine. And there is a problem. Hay un problema en el nueve. But now you have rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with our armies. Ahora nos has rechazado y humillado. Nos sales ya con nuestros ejércitos. You made us retreat before the enemy. And our adversaries have plundered us. Nos hiciste retroceder ante el enemigo. Nos han saqueado nuestros adversarios. You gave us up, God. You gave us up to be devoured like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. Cual si fuéramos ovejas, nos has entregado para que nos devoren. Nos has dispersado entre las naciones. So what's going on here? ¿Qué pasa? Israel, the nation, has suffered some great defeat. Israel ha sufrido una derrota. Now, what is that defeat? Well, it, it seems to be that there are three different defeats in mind here. At least, maybe these were various defeats along the history of Israel. Defeat in battle. Defeat through some invasion. And defeat through being carted off into exile, being carried away from their homeland. Uh, había derrota en la batalla, una emasión, también, el exilio. Something has gone wrong. Something really bad has suddenly happened to the people. And the result of this defeat in the nation of Israel is disappointment. Hay una derrota que resulta en, el, en la desilusión. And so we come to verse 15 you have made us a reproach to our neighbors the scorn and derision of those around us you've made us a byword among the nations my disgrace is before me all day long and my face is covered with shame like nominia no me deja un solo instante se me cae la cara de vergüenza all of this because of the enemy who is bent on revenge israel here is dealing with Defeat. Defeat that results in disappointment and disgrace and shame and mostly a dilemma. Hay una derrota, desilusión, desgracia, hay un dilemma. And the specific dilemma that seems to be highlighted here is this. Either Israel, the people, have sinned to bring about this situation to cause this bad thing to happen or somehow God has failed to be God either Israel is at fault for this bad thing or God is at fault one of those two things had to have happened o israel tiene la culpa dios la tiene but here's the problem according to verse 17 it would seem Israel is not at fault. Pero Israel no tiene la culpa. Verse 17, all this happened to us though we had not forgotten you or been false to your covenant. Todo esto nos ha sucedido a pesar de que nunca te olvidamos ni faltamos jamás a tu pacto. Our hearts had not turned astray. Our feet had not turned back from your path. No te hemos sido infieles ni nos hemos apartado de tu senda. And yet God, you crushed us. And made us a haunt for jackals and covered us over with deep darkness. Pero tú nos arrojaste una cueva de chacales, nos envolviste en la más densa oscuridad. Now we can truly say, and if you've heard enough about the people of Israel, you know, there were a lot of times along the way in Israel's history where it could truly be said, Israel bought what they, uh, what they got. They paid for the punishment they got. Muchas veces Israel sí pecaba y merecía su castigo. They, they deserved so many of the punishments they got. And yet it's saying here, not this time. Esta vez no. Israel didn't get caught with its hand in the cookie jar. There are no fingerprints pointing to them. There is no smoking gun here to say that Israel has done something wrong. No están sus huellas sobre el crimen aquí. And yet what's happening, the people are being punished. They're being broken and defeated. Están castigados. What's going on? If Israel's not at fault, does that mean God's at fault? ¿Tiene la culpa Dios? That hardly seems possible. We've just said God is the God who always takes charge. God's the God. It always comes through. But here it would appear almost like God has lost control or God has failed or somehow God has not done the right thing. Parece que Dios ha fallado, que no ha hecho la cosa justa o uh, está fuera con control. And, and all of this is producing disappointment and it's a dilemma. What's going on here, God? Israel is on the horns of a Dilemma. How do you make sense of this? Están en los cuernos de un dilema. It's a lot like what happened to another figure in the Old Testament that we know. Maybe you don't know of him, but his name is Job. Not Job, but Job. There's a book by his name. Así con Job the story is pretty simple. Job was a righteous man, a good man, a godly man. Fue un hombre piadoso. Era un hombre de justicia. He was a wealthy and prosperous and successful man too, which, according to the Bible, in those times was a sign of God's favor. If you were wealthy and successful, that meant God was on your side. Era un hombre prospero, exitoso, pues señal del favor de Dios. And yet, in one day, Job lost it all. Lo todo en un día. He lost his crops. He lost his cattle. He lost his servants. He lost his house. He lost his children. He lost his health. He lost the backing of his wife. I mean, he lost a lot of stuff. En un solo día perdió su cosecha, su ganado, su casa, sus hijos, su salud. What happened? Did Job... Sin did Job do something wrong to bring all of this calamity on him? ¿Es que Job pecó en contra de Dios? His friends think so. His friends think so. Sus amigos piensan que sí. Job you had to have done something wrong. If bad things only happen to those people that do bad stuff. Las malas cosas solo pasan a los que hacen mal, dicen sus amigos. Or is it that somehow God stopped being God? God lost control. Oops, didn't see that coming. That's what Job is tempted to believe. He doesn't want to, but he's tempted to believe that somehow God has messed up here. Job está tentado a creer que Dios ha fallado en situación, and So the whole book of Job basically goes back and forth between those two pointy questions. Who's at fault here? Job or God? Back and forth. Back and forth. El libro va entre esos dos uh, 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 puntos puntiagudos. Tiene la culpa Job o Dios? Have you ever been on the horns of that kind of dilemma in your life? I can tell you I have. Yo he estado allí con este dilema. God, what's going on? I, I checked all the boxes. I did all the right stuff. I did all the right things. Yo hice todo lo bueno, and yet this thing has just blindsided me. This tragedy, this problem, this illness, this difficulty, Fill in the blank. Have you ever been there? If so, then you know what it is to be on the horns of a dilemma. You know what it is to be disappointed. Si has experimentado una situación así, sabes lo que es pensar que uno es defraudado de Dios. So the question then becomes, what do you do? What do you do when, when God... Fails to meet your expectations when when God disappoints. ¿Qué hacer cuando Dios defrauda cuando no llega la expectativa? According to Psalm 44, one of the first steps when God disappoints is simply to honestly confess to God our disappointment. Primero hay que confesar nuestra desilusión ante Dios. That's really what we find if you read through this psalm from verse 9 on. What you find is an honest, raw, authentic expression of disappointment with God. Aquí hay una expresión de desilusión a Dios. Now Bible scholars have a, a fancy name for it that I don't think really gets to how deep this is. But the word is lament this is called a lament se trata un lamento what is a lament basically a lament is pouring out and expressing your pain and your frustration And and your questions before God is presentar a Dios su dolor y frustración. And we find this happening here. Verse 20, you you could pick from just about any verse here, but verse 20 is kind of an example of that. Versículo 20, If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? Si hubiéramos olvidado el nombre de nuestro Dios o tendido nuestras manos a un Dios extraño, ¿acaso no lo habría Dios descubierto eso? Ya que conoce los... Secretos? And yet, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So basically, the psalm writer is saying here, Hey, God, you know, if we, if we tried to pull a fast one on it, on you, we know we couldn't have gotten by with that. We didn't deceive you, God. We didn't try to trick you. We didn't try to, to to slip one past you. No, intentamos engañarte, Dios. No way. And yet, you're treating us like we're the bad ones here. You're you're crushing us. We're being led like sheep to the slaughterhouse. Bah! This hurts, God. Nos llevas como abejas al matadero. And then. In verse 23, we find even more honesty here. Another kind of honesty. Hay otro tipo de honestidad en versículo 23. Awake, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? Despierta, Señor, porque duermes. Levántate. No nos rechaces para siempre porque esconde tu rostro y te olvidas de nuestro sufrimiento y opresión. Here we find a different kind of honesty. It's the honesty of questioning God. Questioning and bringing doubts before God es un cuestionar, un dudar de Dios. Yuhu, God, you wake up there. What's going on? You wake up. God, why are you doing this? Why are you looking the other way? ¿Por qué apartas tu mirada de mí? God, get up. You who it's morning, shake the cobwebs out. God, come help me. Saca las telarañas, Dios, ayúdame. What is up with you, man? Can people actually talk to God like that? ¿Podemos hablar a Dios así? I mean, can people actually throw up challenges like that to God and beat on God's chest and, and, and question the way God handles affairs? ¿Podemos cuestionar a Dios así, retarlo y hasta golpear en su pecho? Well, maybe we shouldn't always talk to God like this. No deberíamos siempre hablar a Dios así, but the fact that we find this this psalm, in the middle of God's word, I think is a clue that there are times when we can talk to God like this. No deberíamos hablar a Dios siempre, pero hay tiempos cuando sí podemos hablar así. When? When? we're frustrated. When we're disappointed. When we're, when we're confused with what God is up to estamos desilusionados, defraudados. In fact, if you look at the Psalms, the, the book of Psalms, you find that there is basically a prayer for every single human emotional state out there. There's a prayer for when you're happy. There's a prayer for when you're sad. There's a prayer for when you're fearful. And yes, there are prayers for when you are Disappointed. And frustrated with God. And Psalm 44 is one of them. Hay oraciones para cuando estás triste, contento, miedoso y hasta frustrado con Dios. And so when we are frustrated with God when we're disappointed and we don't understand and God somehow fails maybe to meet our expectations, what the psalm helps us to understand is that we can come to God in prayer and we can express that to him. Podemos llegar a Dios en oración y expresar esas frustraciones. In fact, I don't think prayer begins until we do that. True prayer begins when I come to God as I really am in that moment, whatever the emotional state may be, and I'm coming to God as I am in that moment before God as He really is. That's prayer. La oración es llegar a Dios tal como estoy ante Dios tal como Él es. And if we come to God with our frustrations, what we're going to discover is how is God? What is God like? God is big. God is big enough to handle our frustration and disappointment. Él sí puede soportar nuestra desilusión. God's got a big chest, folks. He's got a really big chest. And there are times when we can beat on it and say, God, this hurts. I need your help. It's okay to do that. God allows that. Dios tiene un gran pecho y podemos golpearlo a veces cuando estamos frustrados. But here's the thing. If we can come to God with our honest disappointment and with our honest questions and our honest doubts, then we should also be able to come to God with our hopes even when things seem hopeless. Si podemos llegar con las dudas, preguntas, etc., podemos llegar con también nuestras esperanzas. And that's where we find this psalm ending up. This is where this psalm is going to. Look with me at verses 25 and 26, versículo 25, 26. We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Now that's hopelessness, folks. Estamos abatidos hasta el polvo. Nuestro cuerpo se arrastra por el suelo. Rise up and help us. Rise up and help us. Redeem us because of your unfailing love. Levántate ven a ayudarnos por tu gran amor. Rescátanos. I think in these two very simple verses, we have really a very quick summary of the entire biblical story. Aquí la historia de la Biblia en dos versículos. We are brought down low. We are brought down to the dust by our sin. Estamos abatidos y traídos hasta el suelo por el pecado. In fact, here's the thing that we need to recognize. There are situations where maybe I didn't engage in any particular sin to bring on something bad. There may be a situation where you do that. I didn't sin here, God. That may be true, but here's the fact. Oh, yes, I've sinned. Oh, yes, I have. No he pecado aquí. I've not sinned over there, but I've sinned over here. And the good news is God doesn't give us what we actually deserve. If we wanted what we deserved, we we wouldn't want it. So... Here's the thing. We are dead in our sin. Lifeless. Estamos muertos en el pecado. But here's the good news God has risen up to help us. Verse 26. He has risen up to help us in his unfailing love. Dios se ha levantado para ayudarnos con su amor eterno. And how has God risen up to help us? This is the great story of the Bible. God has risen up to help us in the person of Jesus through his undeserved death and his unprecedented resurrection. God has done something about it. Por su muerte y resurrección, Cristo sí ha hecho algo. See, we're not innocent. The reason that bad things happen in this world, we don't always have the explanation, but this much we know. We have sinned, and we're in a broken world where terrible things can happen, not because God's not in control, but because we ourselves have brought about many of the environmental concerns that we're living with. And when we... Sin, God does not sit idly by. He does something. He has done something. Dios ha, si ha hecho algo. He sent Jesus. Jesus, we can truly say, is the one person who never deserved any harm, any danger, any hurt. Jesús no mereció nada. He did everything right. He was better than Job. He never disobeyed God, never strayed from the path, never ever challenged God nunca se desvió del camino he never did anything one thing wrong and yet what happened God did not rescue him God abandoned him Dios lo abandonó God led him like a sheep to the slaughter my God my God why have you forsaken me Dios mío Dios mío por qué me has desamparado that's what Jesus said in the cross the most perfect, wonderful, righteous, good person there ever was, was treated like the worst sinner in the world. La persona más perfecta tratada como el peor de los pecadores. Jesus suffered defeat and God did not deliver him. Dios no lo libró. Why? He did it for us. He did it for a bigger story. A bigger plan. Había un plan más grande. You see, Jesus' failure becomes our ultimate success. El fracaso de Jesús es nuestro éxito. His defeat becomes my victory. Su derrota, mi victoria. His death becomes my life. Su muerte se hace mi vida. The cross is not God on the horns of a dilemma. What do I do? No, the cross is God taking the bull by the horns to deal with the sin and the brokenness and the evil and the pain and the suffering and the injustice of our world. He deals with it all right there. La cruz es Dios que toma el toro por los cuernos para tratar con el pecado, la muerte la injusticia de todo. He does it by taking our place. Él toma nuestro lugar. So in light of that, whenever we are disappointed with God and we struggle to make sense of what's going on in our lives, we can come to God in prayer, and we can find what we need. Because you see, many times when we're struggling to make sense of the pain in our lives, what we're struggling with, what we want, is not always immediate relief. We may think that's all we want. That's just temporary. If you get relief from a problem, that's, that only lasts, you know, so long. No estamos buscando un alivio temporal. What we're looking for, really, when we're disappointed, what we're looking for is the final victory over everything. We want final victory. Queremos una victoria final. And that final victory is in Jesus. That's what we're really needing when we're disappointed with God. Buscamos la victoria final que está en Jesús. Jesús. Job put it this way with words that I I think are so strong. He said, in the midst of all his suffering and pain, in Job 19, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth this is before Jesus ever came he's saying I know there's going to be someone that's going to come and, and rescue me from this yo sé que mi Redentor vive y que al final triunfará sobre la muerte and then listen to this this is crazy that he would say this and after my skin has been destroyed yet in my flesh I will see God yo sé él dice que cuando mi piel haya sido destruida todavía veré a Dios con mis propios ojos Even after my body is laid waste, I'm going to see God. I'm going to be alive. Even after I'm dead, I'm going to be alive. Aun después de la muerte voy a estar vivo. What is he expressing there? He's expressing the final hope of the resurrection, the final hope that we have in Jesus. Paul says it in Romans 8. He says, I'm convinced there's nothing, not life, not death, nor angels, nor demons, nor any bad thing or good thing that can ever happen to us on this earth that will ever separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. No hay ninguna cosa mala ni buena en la tierra que nos puede separar del Señor Jesús. That's what we're really wanting when we're disappointed. We want it all to work out the way God has promised, and it will. So I want to ask you this morning if you are disappointed with God in some way today. And if you are, that's okay. Está bien si estás desilusionado por Dios. If you're disappointed with God, I have a psalm to recommend to you, and it's psalm number 44, that you'd read it, pray it, Get to know it. 44. But here's the thing. Pray Psalm 44 all the way through. Pray it to the end. orar fin. Express your frustration to God. Yeah, do that. But do it all the way to the end. Expresen su frustraciones hasta el fin. Your questions. Yes, I will say this. You can doubt. Go ahead and doubt. Puedes cuestionar y dudar, but do it all the way to the end. Don't stop halfway. Keep doubting all the way through to the end because you know what the end is? The end is Jesus. He's on the other side of your questions, your doubts, your frustrations. Hay que dudar hasta el fin y el fin es Jesús. In Jesus, all of our dilemmas are resolved. So, I want us to pray right now. I want to pray for you and for all of us. And I'd like us to to end with the Lord's Prayer because there's a part of that Lord's Prayer that I think is so encouraging. What are we hoping for? For God's kingdom to come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Vamos a orar juntos y después les invito a orar el Padre Nuestro conmigo. So, we're going to begin in prayer and then I'm going to invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Psalm 44. Thank you that we have an example of how we can express frustration to you without giving up on you because you never give up on us even when we have failed. Gracias por este Salmo que nos ayuda a expresar la frustración y hacer nuestras dudas. Heavenly Father, I want to pray right now for whatever situations may be frustrating some here today. That even in the pain and the questioning, people would sense you are there. Whenever we suffer, we have an opportunity to identify with the suffering of Jesus. And I pray that that suffering can actually be an opportunity for us to do that. Cuando suframos, podemos identificarnos con los sufrimientos de Jesús. And maybe we're not at this place today. Maybe we're in a great place. Praise God. But, Lord, we know someday we will more than likely be in this place. Help us not to forget what your word teaches us. Si no estamos frustrados, ayúdanos a no olvidar lo que dice tu palabra hoy. And Jesus, thank you that you are the end of it all. You're the really ultimately what we need, what we're hoping for. And you have come to put things right, and you will. Everything will be right in you. Has venido Jesús a poner todas las cosas bien. So teach us. Teach us to pray in our frustration, in our joy, in our fears. Teach us to pray. And thank you for the prayer you've given us. Gracias por esta oración que nos has dado para orar. We pray it together to you. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.